Holy Chimbao, people. We have a sponsor. <laughs> WorldDrumLessons.com. Scott Kettner, episode 15, has a really, really slick website that he has started where um, he is offering video courses teaching about the drums of Brazil and the rhythms of Brazil and the techniques for playing those rhythms on those drums from Brazil. And in true Scott Kettner style, he shows how to blend those with New Orleans rhythms and other uh, locations around the world. So he has all these video courses broken up into um, different types of lessons. So there's technique lessons, which is amazing, like technique on how to play the pandero, for example. And then also there's like the repertoire side. So not only do you learn how to play and how to use your instrument, but also like how to play grooves and different styles and arrangements on that instrument, which is like, you know, the perfect thing. That's what we all want is like learn how to play, but not just be able to play exercises, be able to like play something. He has videos in there for beginners all the way up to advanced. So a full range of uh, videos for anybody, even Brian Rice. There's something in there for you, Brian Rice. Oh, he's, he's like constantly uploading videos. I was in there earlier today and he's um, put in, looks like a video just like last week. So he's constantly like putting in new stuff and new content, but there's already a ton of content in there. Um, there's also like a bit of a forum. So like a community there where you can ask questions. He's in there a lot answering questions and other people from um, community are in there also answering questions. And guess what? For you guys, for our listeners, you can get one month free of either his uh, series of Marikatsu lessons or the Pandero lessons, or both, I guess. So you go to the site, you click on either the Marikatsu one or the Pandero one, and when you hit subscribe, you put in our link, Brazilian Beat, and uh, yeah, you should get one month for free. So yeah, go ahead and check it out. Today I was in there and I went to the Pandero one because I'm kind of trying to learn how to play that. Not super serious, but I'm, I'm playing around with it a little bit. And um, I watched the video on grid technique. That was interesting. Um, it's kind of something that he learned from Marcus Suzano and um, has kind of developed it into his own um, teaching method. Um, there's also other videos in there that are really good for beginners, like how to even hold the drum, how to tune it. Um, how to make it sound the way you want to by like learning how to dampen the jingles or make the drum lighter, which is nice for me and my wimpy little girl arms. <laughs> it's just like really handy information that isn't necessarily out there in other videos. I, I super appreciate that. There's also um, in each lesson, there's he has a link of YouTube videos or sorry, a list of YouTube videos where he like, you know, these are for inspiration. So watch this amazing person uh, play this instrument and blow your mind. So <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really awesome thing that he built. And it's, um, yeah, really happy for what he's done. I'm proud of him. So anyway, um, yes, yeah, so go to worlddrumlessons.com. And then when you hit subscribe on either the Marco 2 course or the Pandero course, um, put in the uh, coupon code Brazilian Beat. And there's also links on our website. You'll go in there and see um, in the Brian Cooper Writer episode, you'll see these big, I don't know, stickers, I guess you call them, or big uh, images in there that you can click on. So yeah, go check it out. All right, on to the show. Welcome to the Brazilian Beat. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music making community one interview at a time. 
Hi, this is Diana, and tonight, or rather today, or whenever you're listening to this, we're bringing you a new episode with a talented performer from the West Coast, Mr. Francisco Marcus. He's a multi-instrumentalist dedicated to the performance, teaching, and study of Brazilian roots music. He is a founding member of Jinga, the director of Grupo Chegan Lula, and a member of Samba Dende and the Boulder Samba School. Born in Sao Paulo, Brazil, he was raised in the Washington, D.C. area and graduated from Colby College in 2000, where he received a B.A. in music with a focus on classical guitar. Francisco teaches on a variety of instruments with a focus on Brazilian music and rhythms. Along with guitar, he plays electric bass guitar, cavaquinho, pandeiro, cuica, hipiki, piki jimão, tamborim, caixa, surdo, and tantan. Francisco is also a regular faculty member at California Brazil Camp. And a great guy to learn from there. He's just, he's a great energy. We love you, Francisco. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, Courtney. Happy 2018. Thank God. (laughs) We made it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yes, we did. A spectacular 2017 is over. (laughs) And here we are um, today. Who do we have today? You tell me. (laughs) We have Francisco Marquez from Boulder, Colorado. Welcome. Thank you very much. So happy to be here. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Obrigado. Thanks for coming on. Francisco is a California Brazil camp friend, and we've we asked him a long time ago for but for some reason we we're just uh, recording this today. So so glad to have you here. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad that we finally got this opportunity. Now, Francisco is uh, the second person from Bowler that we're speaking with. We first talked to Carl Dixon, a bandmate of yours. Yes, so grande Carl Dixon. <laughs> and <laughs> Carl does the bateria kind of stuff um, in Boulder, but can you tell us a little bit about what you do in Boulder? Well, Carl, I mean, he I, he does the bateria. He's a director, and uh, he also, I mean, he's pretty steeped in the pagodji thing. He is, uh, I do the, I, I do my main thing is teaching pagodji whereas he is the director of the Boulder Samba School. So, yeah, I spend most of my time um, with the hand drums, the pandeiros, the tantans, tamborins, cavaquinho, and learning the songs. So you guys are, is that two, do you guys consider yourselves two separate groups? Are you like the same group? I know you guys do a lot of shows together. Yeah, well, there is, well, Chegandula is like the band that derived from me holding my my own private group lessons um and they got so proficient at doing their thing that we got a a weekly uh excuse me a monthly gig here at an awesome coffee shop called the laughing goat um nice. where we set up a table there's a stage but we set up the the stage on the floor like in a hoda and that is that did derive from uh, my private group lessons um, and the Boulder Samba School. The Bateria is affiliated with the Boulder Samba School, which is a separate entity altogether. I am in the Samba School and I play with the Bateria, um, but they are t- separate entities, yes. Gotcha. 
Now, can we, sorry, I kind of went ahead of things, but could you tell us a little bit about your background and where you grew up and and how all this music started? Uh, I grew up in, I was born in Sao Paulo, um, Einstein Hospital in Sao Paulo, Brazil. (laughs) Um, And I moved to the U.S. with my family um, when I was around three. We moved to the Chevy Chase, Maryland area right outside D.C., um, my dad was a journalist for 30 years for o Estado de São Paulo, like the one of the bigger uh, publications in São Paulo, one of the main newspapers there. Um, and so I grew up in like suburban uh, white uh, Maryland. Um, and then uh, I went to school, I went to college in Maine. Um, where I focused on music. Um, And then I moved out to Colorado soon after that is where I kind of hooked up with my first Brazilian studies was in Colorado. Did you grow up bilingual? I grew up, uh, Portuguese was my first language. Uh Um, So, yes, uh, I I was, it was a progression starting with Portuguese and um, definitely not understanding being in kindergarten and first grade and being like, what are these people saying? <laughs> like, this is a scary, like trying to find some way to connect, be it drawing or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. a nonverbal way of connecting with people. Um, I definitely remember it being a pretty, a pretty scary experience at first knowing like you know coming from a different culture and then being dropped into kindergarten class and not understanding a word of what people were saying um but by high school you know it was like maybe my parents would talk to us in portuguese and we would respond always in english and by college when we're in college it's like it's almost default english at home um, right. Just because that is the, yeah, yeah. We try. It's different now with a little, with the grandkids and kiddos. We try to keep the Portuguese uh, a little more alive. But uh, yeah, Portuguese was the first language, and then slowly, uh, I'm obviously more well. Uh, I'm more fluent in English than I am in Portuguese. That's for sure. And is your family musical? Did they grow up playing any music? We, you know, my I remember my mom and dad, there's pictures of them in my grade school, uh, them singing Samba in Preludio, uh, him playing mm-hmm. guitar, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he could knock, he could knock out some of those cool chords, he would play, play a tune, he couldn't tell you what chord he was playing or anything. Um, it was a, a fairly musical family, but not in the sense, it was more in the sense that like, hey, you're taking piano from first grade to sixth grade, and you don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> in that sense, we were musical. Um, it was, you know, we always had great music, and my parents had awesome musical tastes, and I was grew up listening to you know, Vinícius de Moraes, Tom Jobim, Gilberto Gil, Mil- Milton Nascimento. I mean, I say I grow up 
I grew up listening to that. That's the music they would put on. And then I would put right. on like whatever Europe, the final countdown or something. <laughs> As one would. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally. Um, yeah. But always, always, I mean, music, the, the, the music thing, like the community part of it, I mm -hmm. never really tapped into until later in life, till Colorado and part of via Brazil, Brazil camp and what I experienced mm -hmm. there. So who really led you down this path? Of, of Samba? Yeah. Golly, man. It's, it's really, it, I have to do a lot of it is very intertwined with, you know, who you started talking about actually preceding Carl. It was Greg La Liberté, uh, who I just got interested in Brazilian guitar. That, that's what, that's my principal instrument. And then I hooked up with, uh, I hooked up with this cat Mitchell long in Boulder, who now lives in LA and tours the world with, uh, What's her name? Melody Gardot. He's just an incredible musician. He's uh, he taught me my my first like bachidas, my right hand grooves on violon, mm -hmm. and he taught me. Uh, we studied Jean Bosco, Dejavin, uh, and then from there I met Greg La Liberté, um, one of my students. Uh, mother works worked at the St. Julian Hotel, like a big hotel here, and they needed music on Tuesday nights. And so when she asked me if I had a band that wanted to play every Tuesday night in the lobby, I didn't have a band. So I naturally said, I have a band, of course. <laughs> of course I have a band. And I called Greg and we started playing kind of bossa nova, doing some chorinhos. Um and then from there, we attracted Bill Copper, who's an incredible guitar player, steeped in Brazilian music, who had also studied with Mitchell Long. Uh, Bill then had played with Raul Rossiter. We all know mm -hmm. Raul from camp. We all do. Um, and it was Raul, Bill, me, and Greg uh, who kind of formed Jenga and that was like mm -hmm. a real source of studying like we would get together and and study religiously every Monday and we still do we rehearse every Monday um, and we when we found Brazil camp that was like the springboard into into like kind of really diving deeper into the well with Baguaji, Samba, Chorinho and all, all that good, bateria as well, that inspired us to start the Samba School. So part of it was my journey, you know, uh, my mm -hmm. seeking stuff out, but is very much has been in conjunction with and helped facilitated greatly by, uh, you know, these cats, Greg, uh, Bill, Raul. Um, so it really does feel like a... Uh, it's just like a thing that's all ours. Um, it's kind of wonderful in that way. Greg was a, he was a, one of the reasons I, I found uh, my ability to teach because we would gather, uh, once we learned Pagogi at Brazil camp, we learned what that was. We started studying it 
And then we started teaching people in his garage um, where we would kind of work with a big group of people. And, and then we got hired by Naropa University to teach at the, uh, their, uh, what is it called, Music Hemispheres, their kind of world music semester. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of asked at one point when I started becoming a ser- more serious musician and having to pay the bills, I asked uh, Greg if I could, you know, teach a semester of Naropa alone on my own um, and maybe start teaching the Samba thing by myself. Um, and he's, he's been a huge support and was very happy and gracious to allow me to kind of like take the reins on that. That's cool that you guys all started that together. I didn't realize that you and Raul did. Well, it was cool, man, because it was the way Greg and I hooked up. It was so weird. We got hired by this lady who was like had found Brazilian music and she loved to sing it so much that she wanted like in her living room, she would hire Greg and I to like read down these charts and play Brazilian music. And she was wonderful and, but not that, you know, had some pitch, was kind of pitchy. And, and so at one point, I think we did like one retirement home gig. (laughs) And, and then (laughs) after that, she was like, let's go out and do blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) And so when I got this offer for this gig, uh, via one of my students who's a ripping, a ripping jazz guitarist now. He's so, he's so great. His name is Mikey Robinson. Uh, Mike Robinson. Anyway, I'm just saying that. So maybe when he's famous one day, he'll give me money. <laughs> um, um, he, his mom got us this gig, asked me if I had this band. So I hired Another great musician, uh, Gonzalo Tepa, a Venezuelan bass player, and uh, and a drummer, Chris Lee, from around here. And so we were playing. We started out playing bossa nova, some sambas, and like merengues and Venezuelan hopos and stuff. Um, so it started kind of in a you know world music thing, and then Bill right. Bill Copper would hear us. And he would just bring his guitar and sit in. And it was immediate that this cat knew what he was doing with Brazilian music. So we're like, (laughs) you're hired. And then there was one gig where our drummer couldn't make it. And so Bill was like, oh, I got the drummer for you. And it was Raul. And like one gig, like whatever, like two songs into the gig, Greg and I were like, oh, we're going to have to fire the drummer. <laughs> this is awesome, but someone's going to have to fire the drummer. Um, so Raul was on board in a heartbeat and like, he's so talented. And so and like, yeah. if you've ever seen any of our Jenga posters, the guy's a, you know, a fen- phenomenal graphic designer. Oh, he does those? Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. He's a beast, man. So he does he do the ones for the big festival? Yeah, the summer, Colorado oh. Brazil Fest, which I remembered. Nice. Uh, Greg and I were looking at some venues for Colorado Brazil Fest this summer, and I remember how Colorado Brazil Fest started. I, he had to remind me was like 
we we had to get some gigs and we we had like kind of a gap in our schedule so we just went on bananas trying to get these gigs and we realized we got three in a row but then we're like jesus how are we gonna how are we gonna pull a crowd for three gigs in a row in boulder like we didn't space these at all so that was the beginning we were like oh let's create a festival <laughs> that's Colorado a good idea wow. yes. and then i think we started stitching it together from there the boulder samba school had already you know they were already around cabrina was already kind of starting her dance company out here so mm-hmm. this kind of just took shape no, I remember um, back at Brazil camp, like one year you guys came and you just had all this material and everybody was like, oh my goodness, this, these guys from Colorado are great. They really study and they're just, you know, you just brought a different level of energy to camp, you know, as a group like that. Yeah, that's part of the, I think it's, you know, a testament to uh, the group, us being so fired up about the music part of it was Mm -hmm. finding i mean part of it was also finding carl at brazil camp so funny that's what he mentioned colorado yeah Yeah. like the guy was in colorado and we heard him we heard the wisconsin crew like ripping it up the bateria and we're like what the hell is that and i remember sneaking over to whatever tent they were at and listening to him and I met Carl we met Carl Dixon we're like where are you from it's like Colorado we're like shut up dude (laughs) (laughs) it is on it is so on and that was like finding that pagodji it was so inspiring the the favela pagodjis especially oh my goodness you know, back in the day. Back in the day man that was I was just like what the hell is going on it is incredible it was it was a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, those yeah, <laughs> those sessions were amazing. <laughs> they were something else, man. Um, and there's been amazing something about that outdoor vibe and like the shuhasku in the corner and yeah. everything. It was so perfect. That was the uh, that was a lot of the inspiration came from camp. So you know we'd mm-hmm. go back home and. We would shed, we would study and sing together and, you know, those guys singing in Portuguese, you know, sometimes knowing what they're singing, sometimes not, (laughs) but like singing the stuff and the Brazilians come up to the, you know, would come up to me afterwards. Great. I can understand it. But then they come up to, you know, Greg, he's done a few trips to Brazil now, so he he knows he's pretty good at Portuguese. But it's they get mistaken for Brazilians a lot because mm-hmm. of the yeah they've put in the work, man. We all have definitely. Now, um, so you have Jinga. Is there is there a leader to that group? Are you the leader to that group? Or is it kind of like a? Uh, it's it's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. We're kind of like a democracy. There's no real leader. Mm-hmm. I kind of tend to be perceived as the de facto leader because I'm I have the cavaquinho and I'm singing. But <laughs> it's a pretty it's a pretty democratic group, which can be good and really tedious when you have seven people you're trying to coordinate who are all busy. You know, mm-hmm. busy musicians and people are playing with orchestras and with uh, we have Victor Mestis in the group, uh, who is 
one of the best salsa piano players uh, around. Uh, he's also from Venezuela, Caracas. Vincent Gonzalez, who is from Seattle, mm-hmm. who uh, who I met at Brazil camp, mm-hmm. uh, like my first or second year, and and then he moved to from Seattle to Denver and cruised into a, a Boulder Samba School rehearsal, and I was like, I know you, <laughs> I know you from Brazil. Camp. <laughs> yeah, so we roped him in pretty quick, man. And who works on all the arrangements and the song choices? Is it a democracy that way too? Uh, yeah. I mean, and there's there's obviously some that we try and they stick. Uh, Bill Copper does a lot of the charts uh, when it comes down to putting uh, ink to paper or whatever you do in a digital world. Um, he does a lot of the chart writing. Victor Mestis is a badass with that as well. Carl, I mean, we did this, uh, yeah, a lot, lot of the, it's it's democratic, but some of the actual, the, the chart writing and arranging, um, some of it happens on the spot, and then some of it comes with a lot of ideas prefabbed, and then we try it out in rehearsal. Um, Carl has an incredible mind for that as well. Bill and Victor are masters, but I bring up Carl, especially because dude, I'll be like, wait, what chord should I play here? Carl, like Mr. Percussionist. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's just like, what key are you in? And he'll figure out harmonically before I can try out whatever different chords. He's kind of a harmonic wizard. He'll tell me like, oh, yeah, and put the six on the top voice or something. I'm like, Jesus, dude. (laughs) Okay. That sounds good. (laughs) That sounds right. Um, Wow. So it is – it's a collaborative group. Yeah, there's no no real leader, although some of us tend to find our little roles. Like no one's going to take over Raul's poster design uh, spot anytime soon. Sure. <laughs> well, I actually kind of want to go back. You guys just talked about the um, pagogies of years gone by at Brazil camp. Just you, you said they were amazing, but can you describe what was what was happening? Were the teachers playing along with you? Is it mostly students playing together, or what's what's the deal? Describe that scene a little more. It was uh, golly, I don't know because <laughs> memory, huh, the memory from those times is a little <laughs> cloudy. <laughs> It was two in the morning. Yeah, it exactly. Was two or right. three in the morning. Somehow we got away with that back then. Um, I do remember it was kind. Of, I don't know if it's accurate. It was mostly the teachers, and it was right. like obviously like the heavies, you, the heavies, and you wouldn't. No one was gonna like. Hey, can I sit in? Because it was right, right. so heavy. But then I saw some. Man, I saw some pictures back when when Jace, Jason. Do you yep. remember him? Stanyak, yeah. yep. Yeah, Stanyak. Were you around, Courtney, with Jason Stanyak? I don't think so. No, that was way pre-Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> and and some with Fernando, with Ebano, and that mm-hmm. other cat, Fabio. I, don't, I honestly can't remember how open it was. I see some pictures where I'm like, oh, those are like the super heavyweight teachers in the Hoda. And, mm-hmm. and I know – from per- personal experience here every month with my group, you don't have to have the master teachers to create that energy where like, 
everything's like floating and time stops and it's just uh, utter bliss. But I do remember a certain degree of like, uh, like, oh, just like hang out and observe and don't even right. think about like playing because this is heavy. And yeah. I think too, it was, you know, a lot of us that are still there, um, a lot of us were learning that at that point too. You know, that was when I first you know, yeah. started learning songs and, you know, really listening, you know. I think there's something to be said for that too, because like the bateria thing had already been established, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where the, but yeah, you know, as far as this goes, you know, I remember Jacare and the Hoda and um, there were a lot of Brazilians too um, that aren't there now mm-hmm. um, that lived in the Bay Area. And that would bring a certain vibe to it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hmm. For sure. I remember the days of the pa and like when Pagaji was, I guess, I guess you're right, Diane, when it was like first catching fire at camp and it was like <laughs> 60 people in a Pagaji class. And we were down by the campfire and it was, yeah, at one point I remember it was like Ebenu and Fabio had to split up the class. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then I remember, and it got so popular that at one point it was like, there should be a beginner and an advanced. Right. Because there was only one. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the bateria. Like everyone wants to do it. But now so many people are steeped in it that there's a, there's kind of a, different obvious some different levels here mm-hmm. to accommodate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and That's to, interesting and to courtney it wasn't as like i i feel like and it's fun you know either way like when we do it in the dance hall or in the dining hall it's more of a performance in a way but where yeah we had it up in the favela it was more of a hoda uh-huh. where everybody was just kind of a, what, hanging out yeah you know, and up eating, on top of it, meat, yeah. drinking beer, yeah. <laughs> liquor, <laughs> getting liquored up. <laughs> yeah, there's something yeah. about the uh, the the fluorescent lights and like I I wish there was an right. outdoor space for it. Right. You know, and, and, and not yeah. Bahaka Kinsey, at least not past ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was. I went to a West African dance camp, and they, there was kind of an interesting thing that kind of naturally developed over time. Whereas during the day, the all the teachers would obviously teach the drum and the dance and everything, and then at night, the students would go down and the drummers would play and the dancers would dance, and the the teachers kind of stayed away to kind of let them mm-hmm. like practice the things that they had learned essentially, and like practice doing what they're doing because they're like, if we show up, then you know, they give us the the Jimbe Fola's position and then they don't actually get to practice, but they, they sort of intentionally stayed away so that the students could kind of work it out themselves, you know? It was it was kind of a cool thing that happened. I like that. And then what could come of that that was not, you know, taught yeah, taught yeah. in class necessarily. Mm-hmm. And also when the teacher shows up, they're so obviously way better than you. It's intimidating to like go out there and dance, you know, like kind of, and it's, <laughs> you know, in that, in, in that situation, but we can't really play at night there too, too loud outside. So like, I don't think that can necessarily happen very well at CBC. Uh, you're yeah. talking about West at, at the West African camp. You don't, you can't play at night loud. No, there we could. Cause it was like a, it was out in the middle of nowhere, oh, kind of on the, Foothills of the Sierra Nevadas. Yeah, it was a, it was a great location, and there weren't neighbors, 
you know, super close, but, um, that's what I was saying at, at CBC that couldn't really happen just cause you know, we can't play at night. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the hell we got away with it back then, man. I know for so long. For so long. <laughs> now, can you <laughs> can you tell us um, so what what the scene is like now in Boulder? Since you've got this kind of feeder group, you know, if we can call it that for you, as well as Jinga. Yeah, uh, man, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty awesome. I mean, uh, we have a regular. We have a regular monthly Pagwaji that when it doesn't happen, like we all, we're all like, yeah, I'm going through Samba withdrawal, man. We need to, we need to meet and play. Like we rehearse, mm. we rehearse every Wednesday with my group, Shigandula, for three hours, two hour and a half sessions. Um, and then at the end of the month, we gather and, I mean, that's been going on for four years now. And so now the wow. level is is pretty sick. And the singers are uh, the singers are really doing their work and expanding their repertoire. We have like we have some serious like f- probably four hours of repertoire between all the singers. Wow. Um Everything from traditional pagodies to older samba, Clara Nunes stuff. Um, so there's, it's popping. Um, it, we need, we, I, I'm in search of a place that, like a community center where we can kind of focus all this energy because we do have Cabrina with her Samba Colorado dance group. Uh, we have Luciana. Who just had you know chocolate and Danda out here for her Viva Brazil thing? Uh, we have Carl Dixon who teaches privately. Uh, I teach privately. I'm trying and I do my Shegandula thing as well as my uh, I do a Tuesday Faha uh, percussion and song group oh, nice. where we learn and wow. yeah, I tried to you know I'm not I not I don't pretend to be a Faha master or anything but we just get the zabumba triangles the you know some of the basic louise gonzaga songs and we learn uh we learn how to do the basics um i took two i took some floor toms and cut them in half and created uh zabumbas like that Um, so we could have something you know something to practice on yeah cool good idea um, I forget. I don't know. I went on a tangent there. You were asking me something about how we're just the scene. It's, it's pretty cool. We're always looking for, you know, to get as professional musicians. We're always looking for places to get paid more to do what we love doing. Mm-hmm. But we have our, we got our spots, man. The laughing goat is a, is a big supporter of what we do. Not only but now Jinga. Jenga has we've had a monthly gig there for the last golly many years um in different formats um uh be it like uh instrumental brazilian music chorinho and some uh samba based stuff some stuff that people might qualify as brazilian jazz um but in general it's i mean from what for what i'm doing the scene here 
is ripe. I would like to see more places for music and live performance in general flourish in Boulder. There's less, way less than when I, when I first moved here, less places to play, to get paid. Yeah. yeah, To get, and to get paid decently as a musician. That's the, that's what we're fighting against kind of. (laughs) Everybody. Yeah. All over. But I can't say enough about how lucky we are as far as like the type of what for whatever reason, whatever mix this place attracts incredible people who are, you know, willing and open to 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 learn and immerse themselves in a culture that is for some reason calls to them, you know, Um, especially Brazilian music for some reason, man, you know, when it gets you samba um and all the derivatives when it when you get that bug it's kind of kind of takes over man how many people live in boulder uh a hundred depends if it's school the difference is like forty thousand, i think when school is in and out because it's university of colorado i want to say about a hundred and twenty thousand hundred forty thousand Nice. Yeah. 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 That is an interesting, that's small community. It seems like to support it, but there it's pretty yeah. it's kind of hippie town too, though. It is. It's lost a lot of its hippiness <laughs> and more, more Panera's less hippie. <laughs> um, uh, but it's still got its vibe. Denver has its vibe as well, even though both Boulder and Denver are, are blowing up with people and uh, gentr- gentrification. That's still, uh, there's still, you know, that, I think that spirit and that yearning for, for community and something, something special and unique. I know that we have a very solid and loyal fan base and that's Mm. a testament to that, I think. Mm. Now I have, I want to go back to, um, I just wanted to get some of your, uh, your preferences as far as style, are you more of a Samba Jihais person? Are you, do you like the newer stuff? And who are some of your favorite composers and um, singers? Um, some of my favorite Samba singers, modern stuff I'm listening to, uh, Grupo Bom Gosto, uh, Inova Samba, Turma do Pagode. Um, that's... Yeah, that's about as poppy as I can get with my Samba Paguaji. Mm-hmm. Um, some of their stuff, too, is, is too glossy, way too poppy for me. But some of it is a little more highs that I can dig. Those are like the newer cats um, that I've been listening to. Um, and I always try to bring that to my groups as well, Jinga and Shigan La. Uh, and then Samba Jihais, all the traditional Fundo de Quintal stuff, Zeca Pagodinho, Bete Carvalho, um, you know, Martinho da Vila, all the classics. And then the more modern cats like Moisés Marquez, um, Casuarina. And you've had both um, of those. Both yeah, of baby. In Boulder, right? Yes, yes. I miss the Casuarina oh, show. Oh, really? Oh my goodness! I had a, I had a high paying wedding wow. gig with uh, 
I, I mentioned I didn't forget to mention Samba Dende. Oh. They were one of the reasons I first started playing Brazilian music. Um, um, yeah, they they're a samba hege band. Uh, they've been here established in Boulder for almost twenty years now. Wow. Um, and yeah, they started me when I first heard them. I was like, "Holy crap! I want to do that." And that was more, you know, Olodum, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, so I do actually have in that band. I play bass when we're doing the big samba hege thing. I'm on bass with that band. So you know, uh, a lot of Margarete Menezes tunes, Olodum, Chimbalada. Um, yeah, I do a lot of that with those guys as well. Um, so I love uh, Bahia, some 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 of the Bahia. Uh, definitely have been digesting that music for well over a decade. Mm. Uh, and then yeah, I guess. And then you know you get cats like Ian Ian Fakini, Ginginha, Nazi. <laughs> those cat. I mean, I could I could spend a lifetime just getting back into guitar and, mm -hmm. and digging into that, man. It's so, so inspiring. Um, so, I mean, I'm all over the map and I want to, I mean, honestly, the thing what's been on my brain now is like uh, borrowing Nina, uh, Nina's accordion to start picking up how to play mm. accordion. Oh, wow. If I'm really going to do this for hall class. Mm -hmm. You know, the next thing is to add accordion, which I've done a little. I know how the instrument works. I've taken a little bit of accordion before. Uh, but, you know, another 24 hours in the day and <laughs> <laughs> I'll have it in no time. There you go. That's the right attitude. I think your appetite is for learning all these things is. Um, I mean, it's just inspiring that to know that you. I mean, I always thought, I guess I, okay, I'm gonna start over. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I always thought that since you, you know, lived in Brazil for a while, have Brazilian parents, I just assumed you grew up playing with your family and learning all these things together. But since you started it at a later time, and you're so much further along than a lot of other people, it's inspiring to know that, you know, you weren't necessarily doing this through your whole life. And then your appetite is kind of a testament to that. Like you're still trying to learn and still taking in new things. That's, that's really cool. I will always, always be a student, I think. Mm -hmm. Always be a student of this music. And it is, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing stuff. And I, you know, I feel very blessed to be able to spend a, a bulk of my time um, teaching, being able to teach this stuff. Um, and yeah, it is, it's, it's totally learnable. And it's accessible to mm -hmm. anyone who wants to learn it. And just, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, look at Carl Dixon. I mean, you listen to that cat play, close your eyes, and Raul Rossiter. I mean, Casuarina yeah. said it. They were like, these guys aren't Americans. They're swinging like, you know, they're not gringos. They're swinging like Brazilians, man. You close mm -hmm. your eyes and you listen to those cats play, and it's like, those guys, that sounds Brazilian. So mm -hmm. it's a, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's a, obviously I'm never going to sound like I grew up playing this stuff from age three, 
in Brazil, but you know, I do with it what I can and I love it immensely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can definitely tell. Yes, it'll be a, it's a lifelong, uh, a lifelong endeavor, a lifelong study. And it feels that way for Jenga too. And I know our community at large, so very blessed. Yeah, you guys got a good thing going there. Yeah, it's great to see everything happening um, in Boulder. It's wonderful. And I look forward to taking it to other places. I feel like I've almost like found my calling. I'm going uh I'm going to Montana next wow. week to Missoula where my older brother lives and I'll be I'll be working with some cats over there and doing a little solo guitar uh gig, the MEPB stuff, samba for hall with my little loop station. <laughs> Um, and then, and then do, uh, Baguaji workshops and always try to organize a Baguaji and, you know, gather people and Festa, Samba, Palmanaha. And you've been doing this in other cities as well. You've been to the Bay Area working with them. Yeah. And, uh, was it San Luis Obispo? Is that where you went to? Yeah. I was there this last, uh, yeah. Earlier, uh, uh, this when did I go? My goodness, in October, I believe. Um, that was awesome. Love doing it. Um, nice. I was at the Bay Area. I'm going to be out there with Falso Bayano oh, cool. in February, doing some little uh, workshops at schools uh, and playing with them. Some house concerts, and I think Morangong's got a few, uh, maybe duo or trio gigs lined up for us. So. Fun times. Yeah, I'm going to get all that stuff up on my uh, website so people can, obviously, you can link to me via Facebook and also at uh, franciscomarquezmusic.com and also at jingaband.com and grupochegandola.com, <laughs> all those places, which is why you'll find that maybe some of those dates aren't updated because there's so many yeah. dang <laughs> websites to keep up with <laughs> but you can always reach out to me if uh if you guys have any questions you know as far as future dates and that kind of thing i intend to be doing this pretty vigorously in 2018 we look forward to it nice we'll pull all we'll put all those links on our website also so you guys are the best um, they'll all be there yeah Obrigado. yeah all right well Diana, did you have something um, else? Nothing. No, no. I just want to say, you know, I appreciate all your energy and all your, um, yeah, all your good energy at camp and just knowing you over these several years. Yeah. You know, it's a really special place and the people that, uh, the friendships we've made there, uh, yours included Diana and yours too, Courtney, which I feel like has recently flourished via some awesome disco parties. <laughs> Um, it's really something special. It's, it's Brazil camps has changed my life. Indubitably for the good. I think that's the consensus with most people. Yeah, absolutely. Very grateful for you guys. Thank you for having me on the show. Appreciate you or what you're doing here. And I look forward to catching up on the previously recorded (laughs) Brazil beats. Please do. (laughs) Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. Abraço grande and uh, best to everyone this uh, new year, 2018. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, baby. (laughs) 
So we hope you liked that interview. As I mentioned before, Francisco is always a great guy to have at Brazil camp. He is so full of energy, and you learn so much from him, you know, just hanging out at Hodas and, you know, in class, and just, he's, he's awesome. Uh, so a, a couple links we'll have posted on our website are for his uh, personal website, and you can find that at Francisco Marquez, F-R-A-N-C-I-S-C-O, Marquez, M-A-R-Q-U-E-S, music.com. You can also find his group, Jinga, at jingaband.com. That's G-I-N-G-A-B-A-N-D.com. Grupo Chegando La at G-R-U-P-O-C-H-E-G-A-N-D-O-L-A.com. He also has a uh, Facebook page, Francisco Marquez Music, I do believe. And all his groups have Facebook pages as well. We'd like to give a big shout out to everybody following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love to get more followers, so look for us out there on social media. And please communicate with us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to um, see your group's videos. We can post those on our on our pages, on our all our social media. So send those out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you'd like to, you can always rate us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know you're listening and that you like the podcast. We'd love to hear suggestions, too. So if you'd like to do that, you can email us at thebrazilianbeat@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you'd like to go to our website, it's thebrazilianbeat.com. On Twitter, we are BrazilianBeat1. On Facebook, we are the Brazilian Beat Podcast page. And on Instagram, we are the Brazilian Beat. Besides our website, you can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play, Player FM, and maybe some other ones out there. Let us know. So that's it. We hope you like that episode, and we'll be bringing you more episodes in the future. Ciao. <laughs> Tendo na palma da mão